0: One of the things that I find probably most difficult in preaching Father's Day sermons is that many times you feel that people have heard it all before. And and this morning as we look into the Word of God, and we have a lot of different texts we're going to look at, um, we're going to be starting with Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, and then we're just going to jump from there to different texts of Scripture. Um, For those that are watching online or that are here, Um, Your ultimate cue, fathers, is from your Heavenly Father. And if if you don't know your Heavenly Father, who sent Jesus Christ on your behalf, then many of the things that are stated are going to be beneficial to you, but you will not ultimately be able to reflect them because you don't know the Father. So my first place to start, for those of you that are watching online, that may be watching this and saying, you know, I'm not really a Christian. I don't follow this, this whole Disciple of Jesus stuff. Um, let me let me encourage you to start with him first before you try the other things that we're going to mention this morning. Um, because if you don't know your heavenly Father in heaven, then your father right now is the devil, and you don't want to reflect him. You don't want that example. I can assure you right now, the world is filled with people whose father is the devil, and unfortunately. A lot of the travesties that we see in our country and around the world are because people are following a different father. And that father is the father by default when we're born. He's the one that when we are born in sin, deceives us. He's the one that teaches us to do the things that God would say are wrong. And as the Holy Spirit works in our hearts and breaks, if you will, that blindness, that deadness in our hearts, that's when we finally get to see the true picture of the gospel, the Heavenly Father who sent His Son on our behalf. That is what we need to start with. For those of us that know Him, God's intention for us is to be a balanced Father, a balanced Father. You ever grow up trying to ride a bicycle, and the first time you tried to ride without training wheels, how did that go? I know for some of us it didn't go so well, we scraped our knees, we fell over, and some of us probably said, I'm not doing this again. Only to have our parents, and many times it's fathers, right? Get up, suck it up son, you'll be alright. Everybody has to go through this process. And just like we as little children have to learn to ride the bike, and it takes time to balance if you will. For those of us that are fathers, no matter how many years we've been a father, it takes time to find balance. Unfortunately, some of us, we start off very, if you will, strong and over the top in certain areas, and then we kind of lax a little bit as we have more children. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. With the first, everybody's very, very, very careful. By the time they get to the third, well, needless to say, Levi, you see the results. You know, we're, we're, we're a little more relaxed, right? We don't take, take as serious sometimes of an approach. But it's important for us to find balance. It's important for us to find balance. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, here's what the Scripture says. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So Paul gives specific instructions to fathers here to not do something and to do something. He says, don't do this, do this. And we need to take some time to unpack this to get a proper understanding here in this text and proper application, if you will. The reason Paul is addressing the fathers here is that God expects the fathers to be the leader of the home. Unfortunately, in today's culture, it's the the mothers that take the discipline on themselves when God's intention was the father's to do so. There are two things specifically in this text we're going to look at. And like I said, we're going to jump to other texts of Scripture. Number one, do not provoke. Do not provoke, fathers. And number two, build up. Build up. So number one, do not provoke Provoke. What do we mean by that? This, this word itself implies movement towards a certain point, to irritate, to make someone angry, to exasperate. It means to stimulate someone to the point of simmering anger that is nurtured and not allowed to die. It's seen in the holding of a grudge it's the smoldering bitterness that refuses to forgive. It is the anger that cherishes resentment and does not want reconciliation. To exasperate means to excite the anger of or to cause irritation or annoyance too. Not provoking our children to anger can come in different forms, fathers. And unfortunately, many of us may know certain things that provoke our children, but we we may not be aware of other things that do. In fact, what's interesting is Colossians, a parallel text to this passage in Ephesians, it says, fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So one text says to not provoke them to anger or wrath, and the other one says to not get them to the point of being discouraged. So, fathers, what are ways that you can provoke, what are ways that I can provoke our children to anger or discouragement, if you will? Well, the first way is showing favoritism. This is one of the earliest forms of provoking to anger you'll find in Scripture. In fact, we're still paying for it to this day. In Genesis chapter 25, if you have your Bibles, go all the way back to the first book in the Bible. We're going to read this. We're not going to spend too much time on each one of these points as there's a lot to unpack. But in Genesis 25 verses 27 through 28, this is Jacob and Esau. I'm sure most of us are familiar with the text, but let's read what it says here. So the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So what's interesting here is that Jacob specifically is preferred by one of the parents, and Esau is preferred by the other. And one of the things that really happens in homes, even without parents noticing, and even fathers noticing, particularly here in this text as we're talking about it, is that sometimes there's a partiality that's there, unbeknownst. Both parents here in this text that we're mentioning have different things that they like about each son. But why is this specifically harmful? Why would would showing favoritism, if you will, be something harmful in the home? Well, it's harmful to this day because we've seen this text spelled out throughout history and what's come of that. We're not going to dive into that this morning. But God would have still blessed Jacob as he promised without Rebecca's help. And we know that there's deception that happened in order to get the birthright and the blessing. One child could be more skillful in a certain area than another. That does not mean that that child is no longer to be valued as much, parents. Unfortunately, what happens sometimes for us is as as our children grow, we, we see certain features of us in our children. And the features that we like in our children we tend to favorite times in those children for example if you're if you're an outgoing person right and one of your children is not so outgoing you'll tend to wonder sometimes is something going on here and without realizing it you by by default may show favoritism to the other child that may be more open in dialogue you see even in this text in Genesis one may be like we said, the more outgoing personality, but that doesn't mean that they should be more favorable by us. This leads to anger and discouragement because it breaks down the picture of God who loves people that truly have nothing to offer Him. Your children are not, if you will, to offer you honor for you to then favor them. The reality is, Jacob had nothing to offer God, but God chose him in the line of Christ, simply because of divine mercy, not because of what his parents thought. And unfortunately, this is an area that many times is missed by parents as they're raising their children. It's an area that we need to be careful with. What's another way that we can, if you will, provoke our children? By being an overprotective or a passive parent. What do I mean by that? Well, Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says this, and I'm going to unpack this a little bit more. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Listen, parents, if you have to tell your children to ultimately fear you above God and what you say matters more than what God says, that's a dangerous thing. That's a dangerous thing. This verse works both ways, by the way, in having your children led by unreasonable standards at home or giving into peer pressure and fearing others more than you. The proper balance is what God's Word says and following Him. Because the reality is both are equally dangerous in homes. And I'm sure we've all met people we know whose parents let them do whatever they wanted. Literally, the rules just never apply to them at home. We've also met... Those that have had rules that were beyond Scripture, at times maybe even overbearing. The reality is that balance needs to be found in the the Word of God. It can't be found merely in our own opinion. God wants us to pass the Word down to our children, but He does not want us to add unnecessary standards that He never declared. Make sure that when you, if you will, discipline your children the punishment fits the crime don't go over the top for some small mistake a child makes like spilling milk it's not a sin and don't look at it casually when your children keep lying to you either you see what I mean there there are different things that we allow in the home that are many times out of balance what's another way that you can provoke your children. Here's a big one. Unfortunately, a lot of of us are not aware of this in our culture, but this is a prevalent one. Withholding love as punishment. Withholding love as punishment. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, based on behavior should not be the reason you and I love our children, fathers. You don't love them based on their behavior. The Lord loves those He disciplines, so you should discipline your children. But you don't love more based on more obedience. The reality is, God wants us to take this seriously. And unfortunately for some of us as parents, and particularly in a home that we may be busy and doing all sorts of things what we don't realize is sometimes when our children and I know that this happens maybe in your home I know it doesn't mine sometimes our children push our buttons and sometimes they'll ask something right at the wrong time and that's not the moment we should withhold love from them you should be the same regardless of whether they're a nuisance or not at that moment as best as possible. Now, if they need to be quiet and they're being too loud, of course, you still, still tell them to do that. But what I'm getting at is we need to be careful that we, start, we do not start treating our children different based on how they act. We can't withhold love as a punishment. The reality is in that text is God sent Jesus and loved us while we were still sinners. We didn't do anything for him yet. He showed us love before we even loved him. Parents, do you understand that your children won't understand love completely until they get older? As they're developing, this this is why this word of God is so important and you training them in it. A two-year-old is not going to understand the same thing about love as a 20-year-old does. And yes, a 20-year-old could still be confused based on what their experiences are. But the reality is, as we get older, there are things we're going to understand better. Withholding love as a punishment should not be an option. Here's another way that you can provoke your children, fathers. Having double standards. Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Listen, men, if there's one thing that we need to be very consistent in is acting the same around our children as we ask them to act. Don't be the one that gets easily flustered by other people and then wonder why your children are frustrated when others come at them. It's amazing to me that parents will tell their kids to toughen up when they whine about the same thing their kids are whining about, but just with different people they're just as frustrated with their coworker, and then wonder why junior was upset at school standards are inconsistent don't have double standards fathers say what you mean mean what you say and definitely expect the same from your children be a ex- good example as it says the righteous man walks in his integrity What you tell your children to do, you practice. Which means, fathers, and I know sometimes it's hard for us, when you upset them, you upset your wife, you own it. As you would expect them to own it. You don't demand apologies from them that you don't will are not willing to make yourself. You need to have integrity. No double standards. What's another way that you can provoke your children? Here's a big one. Being careless with your words. Being careless with your words. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Be careful in how you speak to your children, fathers. The words you say matter, but the way you say them matters as well. Don't get angry at them and then calm down only to read the Bible shortly after because you need to do it. Fathers, that's not setting a good example. One of the hardest things I think sometimes to practice in the home is right before you go to church. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. And when you ask the children to get ready, they're taking longer than usual. That's where the faith gets tested. I'm going to yell at you so we hurry up and worship God and act holy. We need to set the right standard here. We need to not be careless with our words. Fathers, the things that we say to our children will resonate with them for years to come. In fact, one of the things that is interesting is some of the things that were said to me as a little boy, I still remember distinctly and even the location in my mind. I don't know if that is true for you. We remember these things. Here's a big one that I know I've struggled with at times myself. Another way to provoke your children is not letting them grow at the proper pace. Not letting your children grow at the proper pace. 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven, the love chapter, but Paul makes a statement about himself. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. One of the things that's striking for many of us is chiding our children for acting like children. Listen, men, for those of us especially that I think are raising boys, this is one for me, I'm expecting my sons to behave like they're already 18. And they're 10, 7, 4, To go after them for behaving their age is inappropriate. Even when it's completely, perfectly normal and harmless that they're playing the way that they, they're playing. This does not contribute to their maturity, but rather confirms them in their childish behavior. Unfortunately, what happens in many many homes is the phrase man up doesn't really give any real indication to the boy to grow up to be a real man it's just an expectation to jump a bunch of stages and get to a point where you're hitting a standard that I want for you here's what I expect you to be at 18 so I'm just gonna jump to that you'd be that right now the development process we're just gonna completely throw out the window You've got to let those children grow up at the right pace. Don't expect from them what they can't do on their own. At least during that time that they're growing up. So we're not to provoke, that's what that text says in Ephesians, right? We're not to provoke our children to wrath or to exasperation or to frustration or to the point of hopelessness, if you will. So what are we to do, parents? What What are we to do, fathers? We're to build up. To bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. To build up. The word itself means to nourish up to maturity. To bring up to full fruition. So how do we build up our children? Here's a way that many parents don't practice anymore and they don't think that it really does build up, but it does. The first way is use discipline. Proverbs thirteen twenty four, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. I just found that last word interesting. Promptly. Do not discipline out of anger, fathers, just because they deserve it, if you will, for what they did. God is not giving us a complete list of ways that we ought to discipline our children. In fact, he mentions that in in one of the texts of Scripture we're going to read earlier on in the chapter, I believe it's in Hebrews, he, he talks about how fathers did the best that they could. So God assumes that there are going to be some different ways that you discipline your children that other fathers do. But the point is, discipline is important. Have you ever seen an undisciplined child? You ever been around them? Have you seen how they behave? It's difficult, right? It's difficult sometimes for for people to step back and go, well, there's no discipline in that child's life. What's even worse is when they get older and there's still no discipline. And they get a job and there's no discipline. And unfortunately, in today's culture, those people get married and there's still no discipline. So use discipline. That is a way to build your child up. That's God's method in your life. What's another way that you can build your children up? Provide for them, fathers. Provide for them. 1 Timothy 5.8 says this, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You're giving them instruction from God in the way that you provide for them, fathers. I don't know if you realize that. What you're telling them is, this is how the Heavenly Father takes care of me. I'm taking care of you now. You are to reflect your Heavenly Father. And your Heavenly Father is not a stingy Heavenly Father. He's a gracious Heavenly Father. He's a giving Heavenly Father. He gave the most precious thing to Him in His Son. Take your cue from the example of God as your father, men. Fathers, you exemplify many times your child's view of God's provision, and this is a big one. How you take care of your children, your children will assume is how God takes care of you. You are teaching your boys what they ought to be when they're older, men, and how you take care of your wife and them. your expectations for them should be what you've placed on yourself. One day they'll be presented to take care of their own families and the example that you set for them is going to matter. It should never be beneath us to do whatever it takes to provide for our children. You don't have to work the highest paying job to provide. And men, this is one of those things that we do. We have this competitive spirit that God's built into all of us as men, at least those of us that are men that want to take care of things. And we get very competitive with other men in what we're doing. But don't think of yourself any less because your job isn't what some other man is working. If you're providing for your family, you're doing what God's expected you to do. But in that provision, men, let me just pause for a moment and say this. Some of us do not know how to actually relax and enjoy some time with our families. And to spend some extra money. Some of us are not reflecting our Heavenly Father well in this area. Unfortunately, some men spend more time on their own den, if you will, and their own electronics and their own devices and their children get the scraps and the leftovers men, that ought not be we ought to take care of our boys and girls that God's given us our sons and our daughters what's another way that we can build up our children you show them compassion show them compassion Psalm 103.13 says, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Listen, fathers, I know some of us, we have this macho man mentality. Like, suck it up, man, let's go. I don't have time for these tears. But God pities us. He pities his children. He shows compassion on us. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The realities, men, is at times we need to cry with our children and not tell them to just suck it up. We need to take it seriously that we need to, in being tough, also be tender. You do know that you can do both, right? Our culture strives to either only have tenderness and some only toughness. Both are required to be a balanced father. We'll talk about the tough part here in a moment. But you need to be tender at times, fathers. When your children come hurting to you over what this world has done, and when your teenage son or daughter comes home one day and is frustrated and anxious over what's going on, you break down with them if they start crying too. You be that anchor, men. But at times, you need to be able to show compassion. As God has to you one of the greatest ways men to share and show this compassion to your children is to show your children how desperately you need your Heavenly Father there's so many self-made men that don't know how to cry before their children when they're going through hard things in life when it gets difficult, that they, they go back to their heavenly father and they tell their, parent, their children, kids, we've got to go back to God on this. I don't know how we're going to make it. You don't have all the answers, men. I know we like to pretend we do sometimes. We don't. And you don't need to, by the way. This is your dependence on your Heavenly Father that matters. That you care enough to hurt alongside your children when they're going through hard times in life. Listen, when the world hurt you when you were growing up, what did you want? You wanted someone to come alongside and comfort you. Why do we not do that for our own children? If you know how loving your heavenly father is, you need to be that compassionate to your children as well. Because let me tell you right now, men, sin will ravage your children, and you need to be careful how you reproach them. When they see absolute frustration and heartache over things that they've done wrong before God. And some of the consequences they're facing. We all make poor choices. But compassion is so important, and it's lacking in the church. It's lacking in many men. So, from that, what's another way that we can build up our children? This is completely the opposite end of the spectrum, if you will. Some of you need to learn this, have a good sense of humor. You're saying, wait a second, where's that in the Bible? Wait a second. Proverbs 17, 22. A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Listen, men, some of us need to have a sense of humor. You need to be them, with them in those low points, but we also need to have some high points with them and enjoy some time with them. Laugh around the dinner table. Unfortunately, some of us as fathers don't know how to have just a good time and cut back and relax with our children. We're so busy with all the things we've got to get done, we don't know how to have fun. We try to take the faith so seriously that we miss the obvious, laughing with our children, having a good time. In fact, one of my favorite memories growing up was staying up late at night, and we would laugh with my Dad even when I came back from college we'd stay up late with some tea, kielbasa and cheese and we'd laugh late at night those are some of my favorite memories I don't remember every single conversation but goodness man I laughed so hard sometimes and some of it's Russian humor y'all would never understand so I'm sorry but the reality is Having a good sense of humor is important, fathers. Some of us take ourselves a little too seriously. Need to be able to cut back a little bit, relax a little bit with your children. Have some fun. Throw them in the pool. Enjoy the time with them. Laugh at your kids' corny joke books. Enjoy what God's given you with them. Some of us have become too mature to enjoy a good laugh. Shame on us. What's another way that we can build up our children? This goes to the other side of what we're talking about being tough. Teach them tenacity. Teach them tenacity. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. When someone's coming after them, most run... Those that trust God stand their ground. Many give up when the going gets tough. Men, we don't because God's already given us the victory. We're not not fighting from a position of weakness, we're we're fighting from a position of strength. We've already had the victory. Christ is already victorious. Now, men, this tenacity is more caught than taught. You can tell your children to be strong and firm and faithful and persevere, and when you kind of keep giving up all the time, you're not showing them that that matters all that much. Listen, every single one of us as men has wanted to give up a time or two, or three, or hundreds. But here's the question. How consistent are you, men, in your reading personally or even as a family in your home like if you want if you want to input into your children this five, fervor if you will to serve God with all that you have to keep going even when it gets hard how are you exemplifying that do you give up on discipleship because you're just too busy yourself you see each of us have patterns that we go through in our spiritual walk with God And we need to know, when we're in a funk, that there are others that are watching us. I've mentioned this to people in the church before. You don't give up on certain things because you feel like giving up. You don't give up on that because you need to realize there are other people that are watching you. Listen, men, your children are watching the example you set with your wife. Your children are watching the example that you set in God's Word. Your children are watching the example you set by what you listen to. And if you want them to have that perseverance, that drive long term, then you need to be one of those. You need to be one of those men that when you don't feel like doing something that day, you're still going to do it. Cuz that's what real men do. Then I'll go, I'm too tired. I had a long week. Work my 40 hours. what happened to our culture I'm seeing guys are complaining over 20 hours now it's ridiculous listen men our children are watching when we don't make church a priority they're watching when we don't read the word of God consistently like we ought to They're watching when we prioritize other things above the Word of God and fellowship with other believers. When those things are optional, our children are seeing that clearly, which tells them, yes, you're going to tell me to live my faith out passionately, Dad, but you're not doing that yourself. You want me to memorize the Bible at school, Dad, but you're not doing it yourself. Listen, men. Your wife should not nag you to be a spiritual head in your home. Real men own it themselves, and they take that back if they've dropped it. You should desire to be the spiritual leader. Man up by leading in your walk with God personally. Look, here's the truth. Flat out happens to all of us. We all mess up we all drop the ball at times real men own it and move on and keep going they don't create excuses they don't keep blaming everybody else and their busy schedules and because the wife did this and the kids didn't do that they own what's theirs you want to teach your men your, your, ch- your, your sons to be men then you be a man and own your own stuff You set the standard, men. We set the standard in the home. Let's make sure, though, that that standard is God's. What's another way that we can build up? By using God's standard. Hebrews 12, 9 through 11 says this. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Listen, men, your standard ultimately should be God's standard in the home. Your aim should be holiness in your home. You are called to be a priest in your home, man. Did you know that? You are to lead your home in worship. If you're aiming at your child just doing well in school or just not getting into drugs, not getting someone pregnant or being pregnant out of wedlock, then your aim is definitely not biblical. That's what the world does. Your aim should be for the things of God which is a call to holiness, a higher standard than all of those things. Your standards are as good as you make them to be men. And if that standards fall short of God's word, then your family's standards fall short of God's word. If you train them in righteous living, that's what matters. And a lot of those areas that you're worried about that they won't do so well in this area in school or they may have problems in their relationships and all that. Let me assure you of one thing, man. You were a sinner. You are a sinner. You'll be a sinner. Your children were sinners. Our sinners will be sinners. All of us will still sin. And if you don't show them how to remedy sin through the Word of God, and you just tell them, don't do these things, as long as you don't do this, I'm happy with you. You've missed the point. What you want, parents, what I want as a father, and I should want as a father, is when my children mess up as they get older, is for them to go back to the Word of God, find the remedy, and if I need to, cry with them. To come before God and ask for forgiveness. To show them what that means. To not just beat them over the head because they missed the mark again, which dad already misses anyways. Listen, men, this stuff takes time. Using God's standard takes time in the home. Because the truth is, many men will say, I'm building my foundation on the Word of God. And you know what happens throughout the years as we're raising our children? We start with the right intentions, and as time goes on, we shift from that standard. What we need to do is repent, go back to the standard, and keep going. What we ought not to do is to assume we're on that standard if we're not. And those are only things that God can answer for you. It takes time. As this text points out with the discipline of God himself, it's painful. None of us enjoy discipline. But as it says in the text, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness by those who have been trained by it. That's what happens in the end. So in conclusion, fathers, I know many things that were mentioned. I'm sure many things were convicting, but I promise you, I really want to encourage you to just step up in these areas that God's called us to. My question to you are you balanced? Are you balanced? Are you causing more harm than good when it comes to raising your children in some ways? Is your shift away from the Word of God somehow? Do you find yourself in any way provoking your children? Some of the things that we're talking about. Do you find that you have inconsistent standards for them that you yourself don't follow? Will you tell them how they they ought not to speak to others, but you speak that way to others yourself? Men, our children are watching. Are we careless with our own words? Maybe you lacked in disciplining your children because you don't think that it benefits them as much as it should. That's a tool to build them up, and you need to remember that. There's an intention behind that discipline. You're not just punishing them for the sake of punishing them. We mentioned this before, and I want to stress it again. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Heavenly Father is not who you assume Him to be. It's important to know Christ. And that way you can exemplify your Heavenly Father. The reality is if you don't know your Father all that well, you can't exemplify Him that well. If you spend very little time in God's Word, you're going to spend very little time making an emphasis on being like Him. You only reflect as well as you know somebody. If you know very little about them, you're not going to be able to reflect much about them. God the Father gave His Son on our behalf because He loved us while we were still sinners. Not only when we trusted Jesus, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us. We're not to turn to our good works, if you will, and bank on that. You simply believe that Jesus paid for your sins, and you live that out by obedience to the commands of Scripture that are spelled out. Listen, men, God the Father has given you all the tools necessary. All the things we discussed this morning, including the humor, is in the Bible. He's given you all the tools necessary. the question is are you going to take his standard for yourself or are you going to keep going by your standard listen to what one father said of as a way of confession as we close this morning he said my family's all grown and the kids are all gone but if i had to do it all over again this is what i would do i would love my wife more in front of my children I would laugh with my children more, at our mistakes and our joys. I would listen more, even to the littlest child. I would be more honest about my own weaknesses, never pretending perfection. I would pray differently for my family, instead of focusing on them, I'd focus on me. I would do more things together with my children. I would encourage them more and bestow more praise. I would pay more attention to little things like deeds and words of thoughtfulness. And then finally, if I had to do it all over again, I would share God more intimately with my family. Every ordinary thing that happened in every ordinary day, I would use to direct them to God.